You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We're your hosts, Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman. Welcome back to the party, my friend. This is the podcast where we chat all things business, marketing, life, relationships, just productivity and everything in between, all the good stuff. So hit subscribe if you haven't already and you'll be the coolest person on earth. Seriously, thank you so much for the support. And if you listen to the show regularly, it means I cannot even express to you how much it means to me and Evie. Um, You're just, you're the best. (laughs) Now, today, I cannot wait for you to hear the show or to hear this episode. Uh, We're diving into a girl chat all about relationships, heartbreak, rejection, sexual shame, and purity culture in the church, and so much more with the absolute adorable and sweet Kate Warman. Kate's an inspirational speaker, a popular relationship coach, and the host of the Heart of Dating podcast. She helps thousands of men and women on their journeys through the conversations on her podcast, social media platforms, one-on-one relationship coaching, and online courses. She recently released her book, Thank You for Rejecting Me, which we'll chat about a little bit in the show. It's freaking fire. And she lives in Los Angeles area and loves sunshine, walks, Jesus, and listening to Celine Dion. Honestly, what's not to love about this girl? (laughs) Literally, Kate is about to be your best friend. She has such a way of making you feel not alone in your relationship struggles or your rejections or your shame. And so sit down, grab a glass of wine or your beverage of choice, and let's chat like the hard girl stuff, right? Like let's chat about the stuff that no one wants to talk about and just prepare for a girl chat with the incredible Kate Warman. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. All right, Kate, welcome to the podcast. We are so excited to chat with you today. Hey, ladies. I'm so excited to be here for some girl time. (laughs) Yes, we are so pumped to have you. No, I feel like this is just one of those podcasts where like I'm ready to just grab like a cup of tea or, you know, a glass of wine or something and like curl up in like, like PJs and just sit around and chat. Like, I feel like this is what this topic is going to be. So I'm really excited for this. Well, I have my fake fire on in the background. So it's like (laughs) we are cozying up to that, okay? I don't have a real fire. I live in LA, no fireplace over here, but I definitely put the fake fire on my big screen TV like all the time. (laughs) I love it. Oh, all about the feels. (laughs) Okay. Well, Kate, for you coming onto this show, for people who don't know you, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit and tell us your story, how you became a speaker, a relationship coach, like all of it, just who you are and how you got to where you are? Yeah. So I'm Kate Warman. I live in LA. I am, yeah, a speaker, a dating coach. I founded the podcast Heart of Dating, which is now basically a ministry. And we, I do one-on-one relationship coaching. I have um, courses that I run. We also have a dating program called Drop the Hanky. And now I am an author and my book, Thank You for Rejecting Me, Transform Pain into Purpose and Learn to Fight for Yourself comes out February 16th. So I'm super excited Woo! about that. I love it. And yeah, but if you asked me that like four or five years ago, if I'd ever be doing this, I would have totally laughed and been like, never, like, I never want to talk about my dating life publicly. Are you joking? Like, <laughs> um, no, thank you. Uh, that's for me and me alone and my close friends, like not a public thing. So, um, to kind of back up, how did I get here? Man, I'll try to give the short version, but I really believe a lot of people have platforms on specific topics because that is like what God has brought them through. And I would venture to say God hasn't just brought me through it. He is still bringing me through it to this day. I'm still a single. I'm still working through it all. Um, but my story goes that from about, from a young age, 14 to 24, I was in nonstop relationships. I never basically was single that entire time. And I, you know, that backs up into my childhood where I just lacked kind of feeling love from uh, male type figures in my life. And so because of that, I looked for it in relationships and I looked for it by dating and dating lots of people. 
I remember there was one year where I was like a serial dater. Uh, I moved schools. I became a popular girl, quote unquote popular, whatever that means in high school. I was like, I made it. I am in the popular crowd. This is so fun. And I dated like 16 guys that year. Oh my God. (laughs) Dated somebody every week, basically. No, I mean, it was ridiculous. But so... Then that led into a long-term relationship, which led into a few more relationships, which led into ending with a relationship that was very toxic. For two and a half years, I was in a toxic, abusive relationship that was physically and sexually, mentally, emotionally abusive. And I'd never really dealt with anything like that specifically in my life, but because I was so uh, latched on to needing male validation specifically, it was very hard for me to get out of that relationship because I put so much of my identity into men, into validation, into what guys specifically thought of me. And so then I'm in this relationship with the guy who uh, I start falling in love with, who starts not treating me well and starts uh, convincing me that I'm doing all these things wrong, even though I'm like, wait, but why did, why are you cheating on me? And he's like, you're dramatic. That's called Mm. gaslighting. Uh, But, you know, the the cycle of abuse and codependency got, I was hooked in that merry-go-round for years um, until I basically reached my lowest moment. And um, yeah, I didn't even tell people about the final night of abuse because I was so painfully shameful that I, I would still be going through it. There's lots of that story, police, restraining order, lots of things we could get into it or we don't have to, but it was really painful time in my life. And I had to take a hard look in the mirror and really say like, wait a second, who is Kate outside of dating? And who is Kate outside of relationships and men? And I realized that I did not know the answer to that question because I had really never been single through my teenage years into my adulthood at that point. So that was a really hard reality of realizing like, I need to figure out who Kate is. Like, who does God say that I am? Who am I as a single woman? Um, And so I went on this journey pretty treacherously of a lot of healing and digging up and going through the piles of shame that I really felt separated me from understanding God's love truly and understanding my identity and having to room myself from men, from validation. I had to go through a season of no guys, no guy friendships even because any sort of guy like attention was just filling that void in my life. And I needed that to be replaced and rewired in my brain. So I went through a long season of therapy, mentorship, inner healing, bringing me to later in my 20s where I finally was like, I'm going to do this thing right. Let's go. And I started reading books and listening to sermons from pastors and kind of diving into like the love languages. And then I got into the Enneagram and I was like, what are all the tools I could possibly have? Um, (laughs) But what I also realized was like on it from a Christian perspective, there wasn't a lot to be said about dating. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to do my best to do this in a new way. Um, But I also felt like I wanted more resources. So I started dating in a new way, keeping my mind open, but trying to date healthily. I'm not going to say I did that part perfectly either. I'm still single today and I've still learned a lot even since my journey of healing from that abusive relationship. Um, But in essence, ladies, how this whole thing started is a few years ago when I was dating in a new way, if you will, uh, I was dating this guy who I totally thought like, this is it. It's It's chapter five in my book called The Ugly Cry. And I just was like, this is it. I'm marrying this guy. He's my person. I've got it. Like, hallelujah to Jesus. The wait is over. This is it. Like, you're just like, I am ready to put on those heels and march down the aisle. You know, it's like, let's go. Let's let's do the thing. Um, And then after... And then just suddenly, uh, months into our relationship, it was really serious. He broke up with me and I didn't see it coming. I was like, what? Wait a second. Um, And it honestly was super painful and hard. Um, But it was in that time where I pressed so deep into God's heart and I was just kind of having... I think a cri- a secondary crisis in my life where I was like, what am I doing with my career? What am I doing as a single? Like what's going on in my life? And it's when God started speaking into my heart to start this podcast, which at first 
I was super afraid to do. I was like, God, I do not want to start a podcast on dating. I am single. Like, why am I doing that? No. (laughs) Get somebody else who knows how to do this. And I really felt God was like, hey, all these things I've brought you through are for this moment. Like, I'm going to walk you into this. Don't worry. Um, And even though I felt God saying that in a way and speaking it to my heart, I still was nervous as all heck, okay? Because like, I mean, I had never really shared stories publicly about dating. <laughs> so I was like, mm-hmm. I had never interviewed anyone. I was like, what are we, we're about to go on this crazy journey of talking publicly about my dating life, which I've t- tried to hide for years on it. <laughs> okay. Um, so, but God obviously um, knew what he was doing. I love getting to do this. And I started that um, podcast as a hobby, never thinking this would be my full-time thing. And I'm so grateful and honored that it is. Uh, and so that is where we are today. Ah. <laughs> uh. Okay. Wow. Kate, first of all, thank you so much for being so vulnerable with your story, especially just chatting about the hard parts. I think like, like the parts about uh, mental abuse or emotional abuse, like there's so many women out there that I think can relate to that story, unfortunately. And I think you just like coming on this show and even on your own podcast and like opening up that door to share that story and let other women know that they're not alone. I think that's so, so powerful. So first off, thank you for being vulnerable with us today and sharing your story. Thanks, Lindsay. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> okay. Well, the question I want to ask, you mentioned it a little bit in your story is you wrote a book called Thank You for Rejecting Me. And I want to talk a little bit about that title because I, that's not exactly how most people would respond to rejection. Like, thank you so much. <laughs> and next. Okay, thank you. <laughs> like, that's just not how we react to rejection as women or as anybody, honestly. It's like rejection hurts. Rejection is not fun. So I would love to know if you could tell us a little bit about the book and how you've been able to form that kind of stance towards rejection. Yeah. So I just don't want to sugarcoat over the fact for anybody that rejection is hard and painful. And yes, my book is called Thank You for Rejecting Me. And I will speak to the hope and the purpose through all the rejections I've been through and that I believe everyone can find as well. However, rejection still hurts and it still sucks and we're not robotic. And I believe that God wants us. We are humans and we have feelings and emotions and all the things and experience sensations because God created us that way uniquely. He wants us to feel all the feels. And there's a reason why he wants us to experience the pain and not because he's a mean God, but I believe because he is with us within it, first of all, but also because he's showing us things through it. And so the pain is going to be painful whenever you go through rejection. This book isn't to say like, oh, read it. And then you will never experience fear of rejection or pain of rejection ever again. Um, mm-hmm. That's just, I nobody could do that. Um, there's yeah. no, I say this in chapter one before COVID, but I, there's no magic vaccine, everyone that will make uh, rejection disappear <laughs> forever. I'm sorry to break it to you. Um, It is the global pandemic plague that we will always experience. That's rejection. Mm -hmm. Like it will happen. We have no control over the ones that happen to us at least. But I think how we, how I've learned to see it is that, you know, if we break down the verse in James one, where it says, consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds because the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and there's different translations that says perseverance. But here's a deal. Like God, there can still be joy even within the pain of all the rejections. And what I have found in the pain of rejection, such as abuse, betrayal, abandonment, heartbreak, feeling I was bullied younger years or feeling like I didn't fit in with so many different crowds, feeling uninvited, feeling sexually shamed or feeling like I wasn't accepted by even my church communities or the church or what does God think about me? There's all these different rejections we can experience. And within facing all of them, I realized that the pain through them was not for nothing, that there, I'm not going to know the why in the moment for why those things are happening necessarily, why that person decided to leave me, to hurt me in such a way. And oftentimes when we go down that slide of trying to figure out the why, it usually leads to there's something wrong with me. <laughs> there's a, I'm unworthy. I'm unlovable. I'm ugly. I'm what insert I'm 
never going to make it. Nobody's ever, there's no secure love. Like it's something to do with us or a terrible prophecy in our life that just isn't true ultimately. So what I try to do is instead focus on what to do to move forward, taking it each and every day, day by day. Um, And so the message in this book is that if you've been through a rejection in your past that you haven't really faced, man, it will continue to eat away at you and show up in your life if you don't properly deal with it and heal through it as painful as it may be. But I promise you, if you go back and heal those things, it will transform how you see yourself, how you show up in your life and how you show up in relationships and opportunities, even job opportunities. You Mm -hmm. will have a whole new view of yourself through healing from some of your pain of past rejections and even facing future ones or current ones. You don't have to know all the answers to why, but if you take the grief day by day in layers, understanding the character of God that is good and that loves you, then you can hold on to that. And he will bring beauty from the ashes in some way in his time. May not be next month, next year, next five years. Some way, somehow, he will bring beauty from the ashes. He will turn your pain into purpose. And I really believe that through even starting my podcast, what an interesting picture of how God did that because I had been through all these crazy things in my dating life, never wanted to share about my dating life, was like kind of still ashamed of it. And then I went through a relationship that I thought I was going to like, the thought I would end, it, it would end in marriage and it didn't. And even in the wake of that heartbreak, that is where God met me and led me into starting this podcast, which is now the thing, the big calling on my life that I feel so passionately I'm supposed to be doing. But I honestly don't believe that if I, I believe that if I had not been through some of those things, and especially if I had not been through that heartbreak, I don't think I ever would have stepped into this opportunity. And I believe that God redeemed so much of that by leading me to this place. And that doesn't mean that the person listening that you know, it means that their rejection and the pain of that rejection, whatever it is, is going to lead them to start a ministry. Like it may not, right? But it can be in a different way that God will redeem it in some capacity in a beautiful, unexpected way that you can't even fathom. But I know that he, it will happen Mm -hmm. through time. So that's kind of the message of this book. You know, we can, we are the only ones um, that will fight for ourselves in this process. And we can have the strength and the courage to do that. Oh, Kate, go off, girl. Dude, I have <laughs> I have so much, so many thoughts and so much to say that just like popped up. <laughs> First of all, amen to literally everything that you just said. And just the mm-hmm. fact that I think it's so wonderful that we can sit back and say, I don't know why this is happening, or I don't know why that did happen, or I don't, you know, I don't know all the answers, but I do know who my God is, and I know His character, and I know that, you know, whether or not He caused this, or this was His plan, or, you know, whatever, whether or not, like, those questions aside— I know that he is going to redeem this situation. Like he is in this and he is in my future. Like that's just one of my favorite things about walking with the Lord is just the fact Mm -hmm. that like I may not have exact like idea of what my future is going to look like, but I know what God does have in store for me is like so good. So it's just just so refreshing to know that, especially, you know, discussing relationships and betrayal or rejection or, Mm -hmm. you know, all of that, the fact that we can always come back to my God is good and he will redeem and he's in this with me. is just like, oh, it just makes me want to like shout. Like, I love it. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Okay. Well, Kate, I feel like if you're down, I feel like we should maybe talk a little bit about your stories of being rejected and of walking through pain and how you have kind of like personally wrestled through that with the Lord. Because I know there are so many women listening to this who might be feeling alone walking through, you know, rejection or whatever. So if you wanted like anything that immediately pops to your head that you're like, I want to dive into this story or this situation or, you know, this lesson I learned, just kind of whatever you feel led to talk about right now. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to also throw some things out there for you ladies. I read my audiobook recently, so everything is fresh in my brain. So yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I want to share about everything. But 
here are some things that are coming up and then you tell me which direction, like I'll give you like three or, or a few options and then I will go whichever one you say. So I talk in my book about, um, A, there's self-rejections, ways we self-reject. Happy to talk about that because that really affects our internal image of ourselves. Um, I also talk through something that you wouldn't probably expect in a book on rejection, but I believe is rejection is sexuality, our sexual shame and how we feel about our bodies and even in purity culture and how we've navigated that. So that's one category as well. Um, I'd also so happy to talk about heartbreak. Here's the deal. I'll be really honest with everyone. I um, went through a breakup last year. So I can so vulnerably speak to heartbreak right now because I am a healing through that one. Um, Mm -hmm. And then even with, I know there's a lot of people listening, going through just business stuff. And I read a whole chapter on failure and closed doors and putting our worthiness into our work and what that does to us and how rejection eats away at us in that way. So, all right. I'm going to leave it to you. Out of those oh, four gosh. things, why do you come on? Okay, wait. I love this. It's like pick your own adventure. Ooh. Yes. Okay. Well, I feel like, okay, I know for a fact that or later we're going to ask you some questions on like sexual shame and like all of that. So maybe like let's pause on that and wait. But I feel like, I don't know, heartbreak or like self-rejection. I don't know. Evie, what are your thoughts? Uh, let's talk about let's talk about self-rejection. I feel like that's something that I think a lot of people may not hear too often from like a a biblical perspective and especially when it comes to relationships and all of that. So yeah, let's, let's talk about that. Yeah. So my thing with self-rejections and why this is a part of the book is when I relationship coach, the most interesting thing is we usually break it down into three categories, your relationship with God, your relationship with yourself, and then your relationship with others, which includes dating. But I don't just like go in there being like, hey, let's set you up on a date. Like that isn't my goal actually with how I do my coaching. I want it to be holistic. Like, hey, the way you see God and what you're you're experiencing with God right now is going to to affect and reflect in your relationships. So if you want a healthy, awesome relationship, we need to talk about that. Same thing with yourself. Uh, How do you see yourself? What do you work on? What do you want to work on within yourself? Because those two things are so going to affect how you show up. And oftentimes when I'm coaching, we honestly spend more time on the God piece and the self piece than we even do with the putting yourself out there piece. Because yeah. once you can master some confidence in your own inherent being and understand truly how God sees you and you're walking in your worth in such a way where it's like, it's not like you never get knocked down just a little bit, but you are you can easily bounce back when you are really solid and that is built in the neural pathways of your brain. Then when you put yourself out there with a the guy and he says, I'm not interested. You're like, okay, no problem. That's not a hit to my identity because I know who I am. I have that built in confidence and I worked on that. So there's two chapters in my book on self-rejections. One has to do with body shame and appearance and beauty, which for women is the biggest shame trigger out there. And there's research about that, that we just berate ourselves with our image and based on what we think about ourselves, what we think beauty is, what the standards of beauty are, and then what we've been told by culture, society, media, people in our lives, um, the church, like any of that messaging is all affecting how we're showing up and what we think about ourselves, how we look and our appearance. And then there's other things, right? Just the internal messaging we're giving ourselves about things we don't like about ourselves. We don't think we're smart enough. We don't think we're worthy enough. We don't think we are ashamed of some of the things we've done in our life. And the shame narratives are keeping us stuck and little. And if we're honest, we sometimes at the core don't like ourselves that much. And if you're wondering if that's you right now, now, I would just say, what does your internal dialogue look like? You know, because if you are saying things to yourself, like when, when let's give an example, if you, if I tell you like, go put yourself out there with that guy, that crush, that person on Instagram who you're like, that's cute. Just put yourself out there. Just reach out, tell, compliment them something about themselves and drop the hanky, which is my fun <laughs> phrase for putting yourself out there. If a woman, if you, if I say that, and right now you're thinking like, oh no, I can't do that. Like they're not going to like me or I'm not interesting enough. I don't know what to say. Like, what would somebody like me say? I don't know how to flirt. Like I'm not pretty enough. That guy's too attractive. Like they're not going to like me. 
you are telling, you are basically being your own internal bully. Because Mm -hmm. if I was a woman saying that to you, if I said to you, hey, he's not going to like you. You're not pretty enough. You're ugly. You're not that interesting. You're not that unique. Like, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't be my friend. (laughs) You know? Pretty sure you'd classify me as a bully and be hopefully on your way in life and being like, no, I'm not going to stand for that, Kate. That is not the kind of treatment I deserve. But we are our own worst internal bullies. Meaning if you're telling yourself those things, then you essentially just rejected yourself and then is are therefore stopping yourself from putting yourself out there from an amazing opportunity that could lead to something or it could lead to nothing. It could also lead to just you feeling good about yourself that you had the courage to put yourself out there, but you're missing out on those opportunities because you rejected yourself before someone else even has the chance. Mm. And so I think that this is like one of the biggest ways, especially women are um, being held back right now, our own internal dialogue, the things we think about ourselves and about our bodies. And so, I mean, that has been huge in my life. A few things that have helped me is, is, you know, first of all, being my own personal referee. Um, I have to be real with myself about what my brain is saying, you know? And so if I have to like be on guard and I say this weird line in the book where it's like, be your, the referee of your own, like the ping pong match going on in your brain. That's going back and forth of yes and no, or good things and bad things. Like when you see something that is like out of line, you need to referee yourself and literally stop it and say, okay, this is a limiting belief. How do I want this to define me? Do I want this label? on my life. You are the only one, my friend, with the power to change it. That's why in the tagline of the book, I'm like, fight for your, learn to fight for yourself because nobody's going to make you stop having that internal dialogue. You are the only one that can stop yourself from continuing to go down that road and bullying yourself consistently. It's going to bleed out in so many areas of your life if you don't take radical ownership and start the process of stopping those thoughts. Um, so you got to be your own internal referee. Then you have to be real with others, you know, and this process was hard for me, but I had to invite some people into my life to say, Hey, you know, I, I'm kind of struggling with feeling like I'm good, but never enough around guys that I meet. Um, and so if you hear me talking like that, if you hear me berating myself or just being really negative, would you stop me? You have permission to call me out and direct me to the truth because I'm done living with that identity on my life and that label on my life. And so we have to invite others into the process with us. And then something else, just, it seems obvious, but I really recommend people pay attention to what media is contributing to your negative self-beliefs. Um, and maybe that's a friendship or maybe it's just literally media. And it could even be when it comes to body image, that's a big one. It could be you're following someone on Instagram who isn't doing anything wrong, but you just need to work through what you see about yourself. And seeing that girl pop up with her perfect makeup and perfect body and perfect life is not helping you feel good about yourself right now. So you need to just mute that person at the moment. You know, you just, if that's Mm -hmm. making you feel like you don't have that work on your scarcity mentality with God, then eventually bring that person back in, you know, your media, if you need some people just straight up unfollow because they're not helpful for you, you know, but we really need to be real with ourselves and I'm just giving some practical tools to start working and massaging through these layers, uh, consistently. Cause that's the key. It, it's not overnight. This is so just a process that, man, I would be lying if I sat here to say I don't have sometimes bad thoughts about my body or about myself. I mean, pop thoughts pop up, you know, almost every day. Something's going to pop up. It's just, are you aware? Do you have the tools? Are you willing to fight through them and fight for yourself within them? Mm-hmm. Because you, if you, if you're not, if you do it just for a short amount of time, like, you know, a fad diet or something, it will affect you. Um, and you'll go back to that old life and those old thoughts. Oh my gosh, Kate, I cannot reiterate everything that you're sharing and everything that you're saying. And I, I want to share, this is like so random, but everything that you're saying right now reminded me, uh, on Sunday, uh, I got like a vision from God and I, that sounds weird, but I want to share it. Um, with you and the listeners, because it relates so much to what you're saying about self-rejection and just like the words that we say about ourselves or that even people around us say about us or what we think people say about us and all of that. So I had like had a tough week last week and 
I was in church and we were worshiping and God just like plopped this vision in my brain. And I want to share it. It was basically that I was on like a little tiny island, um, like in the middle of the ocean, like, like almost like a little tiny oasis where there's nothing else around. And I just remember it was like a tiny little oasis with like one palm tree. I don't know why, but one palm tree. And I was standing there and imagine like the waves around this tiny little island were just roaring, like super, like 50 foot waves, like super crazy, insane. And you would think they would like crash and swamp this little island. However, there was like a I mean, this doesn't make sense logically, but there was like this centrilical, like almost like force of protection around this island that went like up and as high as the waves crashed and as big as they were, they kept pounding on this island, but they didn't hit it because it almost was like they would hit this like wall, right? Of like protection. And I was just sitting there like watching the waves around me, like should they should crash on me and they weren't. And in that moment, God just like spoke to my heart. And I mean, I was on the island and all of the waves crashing around me represented just the thoughts that I either think about myself or the thoughts that other people think about me. And just like all of the anxiety that and hate and like shame and everything that like we put on ourselves and we think about ourselves. And it was just like the wall of protection around this island was Jesus being like, I got you. Like you, I have your identity. Like I, you are, what, what am I trying to say? Like I, you, your identity is founded in me and you don't have to worry about all of the waves and all of the, the noise basically in the world if you just focus on me. And I remember like, like a coconut dropped from the tree and I like opened it and then like it nourished me. This is sounding like so weird, but it was true. And it just like touched me. Cause like, it's just a, such a picture of how, like when we really focus on what God says about us and who he says we are and the truth in that, like all the noise and all the waves and all of the things that roar around us and trying to get in our brain every single day, just wash away. And so I wanted to share that because even though it's a little out of left field, it just everything that you were saying reminded me so much of just this topic of like self-rejection and like hating ourselves and then thinking other people hate us and all of that. So I can't reiterate enough. Amen to everything that you said, Kate. I love that picture, Lindsay. That was powerful. Yes. (laughs) I love it. If you are loving what you're hearing on today's episode, then we wanted to share something else you might love, The Heart Shop. It's our digital resource online shop for creative entrepreneurs. The Heart Shop is your one-stop shop for all of our online courses, luxury website templates, PDF guides, social media graphic templates, and illustrations. If you've been at your wits end with your website design and you don't know where the heck to create a high quality pricing or welcome guide to give your clients an incredible branded first impression... We got you. We created the Heart Shop to serve you with the best tools and resources you need to successfully run your business. Just head to theheartuniversity.com forward slash shop and start browsing the goods. That's theheartuniversity.com forward slash shop, and we'll see you there. Did you know that the number one type of post that does the best on the gram is photos of yourself? And it's not just Instagram. Sharing photos of you on social media, your blog, your website, etc., instantly creates connection with your ideal client. And if you own a business or market products or services online, you need to have regular content photos of yourself, period. But I'm going to take a wild stab in the dark and guess that you struggle with sharing photos of yourself, right? You know you probably should be posting yourself more, but you struggle feeling confident in doing that because you don't know the first thing about how to take content photos of yourself. Ones that leave you feeling confident and help your ideal client relate and connect with you. If you've been nodding your head to all of that, like, yup, Lindsay Evie, that's me, I need help, then we have the solution to your problem. And that's introducing the content photo miner. 
<laughs> yes. In this mini course, we take you step-by-step step through conceptualizing, planning, and styling a content photo shoot all the way to the final product of posing and actually taking those photos of yourself for your brand and your business. We teach you how to plan style outfits, scout locations, get good light and color match for your outfits, how to do self-portraits of yourself with a tripod, and posing tips to know in order to get content photos that feel authentic to who you are and connect with your audience. Now to grab this mini course, go to theheartuniversity.com forward slash content dash minor. If you've been holding off on sharing you with your audience because you just don't know how to get started, we got you covered. One more time, that's theheartuniversity.com forward slash content dash minor. And Kate, I think it's, even while you were talking, I was sitting here and I was like, I feel like literally everything that you're saying is applicable to not just dating. Yeah. Like, it's applicable to everything. That that kind of of self uh, rejection, self uh, berating or beration is that yeah. a word? Anyways, yeah, yeah, we're, just, we're, yeah. we're killing it on the English front today. <laughs> um, it. Yeah, it's just something that I I think we do with any new opportunity, any new season, any new area, we, we say no for ourselves and for others, whether that's, you know, in a dating relationship, whether that's in uh, a new career opportunity or a new friendship, you know, reaching out as a young mom who feels alone with your kids or whatever. And you're reaching out to other young moms and you're like, oh, she has her life together. She, you know, she's too cool for me. I, you know, I'm a mess over it. Like I, as you were talking, I was like, this is applicable to literally every single area of life. Mm-hmm. And I, everything you were saying was just straight fire. Mm, you know what it's reminding me too, ladies, like, because it's so applicable, what I've, my biggest lesson, one of my biggest lessons from 2020 was we are not in control. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm pretty sure a lot of people feel that way. Um, We are not in control of a lot of the things around us. So it's that much more important for us to cultivate, even Lindsay, what you were talking about, what is on that island? What is Mm -hmm. around us? What is in our bubble that we can control and the things that will sustain us? We need to hold those things sacred because everything around us is potentially a big giant storm of chaos. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the last thing we need is to add more chaos into our minds about Mm -hmm. what we think about ourselves or even the world. I mean, we have to have a limit to how much chaos and noise we're allowing in that capacity too. And it's just so important that we, um, we really, the, that we really steward well, the things that we can control, which is our thoughts, our, our, you know, our lives personally and what's happening to us and how we're taking care of ourselves. I mean, it is so important because nobody else is going to force us to do those things and going to take care of our islands. You know, Mm -hmm. like we have to take care of them or they may be swallowed whole by all the noise and all the thoughts and all the negative negativity. So it's so important. We are not in control, but we are in control of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. I love that. Okay. Kate, the next question I have for you is I would love to know, what do you think the role of today's like ever-changing, just increasingly superficial culture play in the rejection experience felt by so many women and I guess by men too? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing with rejection when it comes to superficiality is we see, I really want to bring it to the digital era and, and just what we see. We see a lot of people that have really happy lives <laughs> and what we don't see is what's really going on. Um, people have asked me in recent months, they've said, Kate, like you seem so happy right now, but you just went through a breakup a few months ago. And I'm like, Ooh, okay. Let me tell you, first of all, <laughs> there's no way I can just post everything about every single thing I'm processing my life, every moment on here for you guys to see. But trust me, I may smile on here, but that me being joyful doesn't mean that I didn't cry this morning, you know, (laughs) or that I'm not processing through layers of grief. Mm -hmm. Um, And right after my breakup in last fall, I had to take some significant time off social media because I needed to disconnect. And so I share with people like, you have no idea what's going on behind the scenes in so many people's lives. And um, a lot of us want to just portray this perfect picture image of like, here's what life is. Or we expect like our lives to be like the Disney movies and all the things 
things. Though, I mean, so many Disney movies, the parents die and guys betray them. And I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> you know, like, let's be honest, like that, that, those Disney stories, I love Disney, but that also sucks. Yes. Um, and so we just need to know that a lot of what we see isn't real. And so who is it in your life? It's so important right now, more than ever, who are the real people in your life that are really in your everyday walk? Uh, those people will keep you anchored and grounded though. You need to let people into the ins and outs of what you're going through into the dark, messy crevices, into the ugly cry moments. And, you know, like you need those people to be around you and you need it to be, you know, mutually, um, open. So you need to be led into their areas. You need to be walking in life with people that you can see the good, bad, and the ugly to make yourself remind yourself that you're not alone, that there are other people going through these things and that you are doing life with a certain set of very core people. And I think now more than ever, we have some, I'm, I'm all about the virtual world because my whole business is virtual and I love it. I have like so many virtual friendships with people. Now you guys are my two new girlfriends. I hope we meet <laughs> in real life. Yes. But like, it's a virtual friendship, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you may not be here the day that I am crying and need a hug, right? Because it's virtual and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But we also need just the people who are walking alongside of us that know all the crevices in our life to bring us back to the reality that like life is difficult and there's good moments and there's bad moments and all of them are good or are not all of them are good. All of them are okay. And all of them, God will redeem, like we said before, especially the bad ones. So the superficiality is really tough. Uh, because it just, I think it mainly leads to comparison. And when we're in comparison, we are led to scarcity. And when, when, when we're in scarcity, all we think of is like, there's never going to be enough for me. Uh, I, my, my timeline is like, I'm on a timeline and I need to get married or I need to get that job or I'm this age. And everything just, again, starts down that downward spiral of basically fear and anxiety. And it takes you away from enjoying the present moment of where you are today and what God's trying to do in your heart and mind right now. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's so much to say on that. I, oof, but I would say that that would be the main thing fighting comparison and finding really core people around you to do life with who know the ins and outs of yourself and your life. Mm. Amen. I love it. Mm-hmm. Okay, Kate, I want to pivot if you're down yeah, and talk about like sexual shame and mm-hmm. just sex culture in the world today compared, you know, compared to what God says about it. I feel like we could talk about this for a while. So <laughs> let's yeah. just like... I guess dive into it because you you do write about sexual shame and the clear gap that you see in uh, you know the the evangelical culture between like what's being taught and what's actually happening. So mm-hmm. do you want to talk about like that gap and how it plays into shame and rejection felt by so many in in the evangelical culture? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So I recently posted a poll on my Instagram, which was like, hey, if you guys have a question for a sexologist, what would it be? And oh my gosh, hundreds. I haven't even counted. I don't even know how many questions, but the the resounding, you know, I'm going to actually, actually have it right here. I'm going to read you some of the questions just so you guys can hear what people are feeling collectively. I'm not going to name the people who said these things, but there are, um, there's just a lot of shame in these narratives. Okay, here we go. I'm going to read a few. Okay. So, how can I overcome shame that stems from intimacy with somebody who maybe emotionally or sexually abused me? Um, how do I separate shame from sexuality and my sexual drive from narratives in my life that came from either my purity culture, abusive experiences, or a combination of all of them? How do I break soul ties? What is the church going to think about me if I if they really knew some of the sexual things I did? And the list goes on and on. I mean, there were so many other questions, but I read these questions and I was like, man, like so tough because I relate and I shared parts of a clip from chapter three of my book um, called Never Have I Ever. And the chapter is about fighting sexual shame. And I want to say this. I do believe that the purity culture and all those narratives are good intention. I don't necessarily think people have like bad intentions, but I think that some of the messaging became became um, legalistic and in essence, very damaging to a lot of people. And um, there's actually statistics to back this up. So uh, there's a book called Divine Sex, which I really recommend by Jonathan Grant. But 
there's this stat was really revealing. 69% of single Christian evangelicals say that they have had sex with at least one person in the last year. So that means really, and I think that number is even higher now because that was a few years ago. So let's say it's like 75% today, 75% of single Christians who have been taught purity culture, abstinent teachings. So meaning they're going to abstain from sex till marriage are still having sex. So meaning that there is the church offers a plethora of purity teachings, but there is a gap between what is being taught and what people are actually doing. And this isn't to say like, oh my gosh, let's shame all the people who are not following the teachings. It's to say, wait a second, there's a problem here. And how do we uncover this and kind of figure out the roots of where this all came from so that we can rebuild it and have people walking in wholeness with their sexuality and understanding how beautiful their sexuality is and walking from a place of sexual integrity because they are uh, grounded and rooted in what God says about sex. And they understand that and understand their bodies and are connected to their bodies. And out of a place of wholeness and integrity, they're choosing to wait to have sex till marriage. That is how we separate it. But for me, and um, it was very difficult because I had lots of purity culture teachings and I had a boyfriend at 16 and I tell this story, but um, we're going to name him Ryan. That's his name in the book. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, But he, so with Ryan, we were dating at 16 and when they found out we were dating, when my Bible group found out we were dating, they literally like, were like, wait a second, you guys can't date without getting permission. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> and so they brought us in and we met with these Bible leaders. And it was that time that they were like, okay, if you guys want to date, this is a serious thing. Here are your list of rules that we recommend. And it was like all these things like, you know, don't ever sit. Um, you need to not sit next to each other unless two pillows are between you at all time. Um, you need to keep 12 inches between your faces at all times. You can, you have to agree to not use any blankets, never kiss, only hold hands on occasion, only date in groups, like all of these different things that then we were uh, encouraged to sign this pledge. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know. What if I don't want to? I'm not sure. Like, this is a lot, you know? Um, And then we were also encouraged to go to like premarital counseling in essence to like prepare us for marriage. I'm 16. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) So needless to say, um, what ended up happening is we ended up doing some sexual things and eventually we did end up having sex. But because I felt like so not comfortable sharing that with anyone because the rules were so strict and they were already, I already felt a tinge of shame for not telling them we were dating. You know, my thought was like, well, I had all these rules. I signed this. Like, I can't, I I I don't know if I can tell them because what are they going to think of me? Um, and so we kept it quiet. We we felt like we had to try to figure this out together because, you know, the church might reject us or our friends might reject us if they knew. And I feel like, man, that is a message today that still happens. When we find out our friends have, you know, slept together or done anything sexually, we're like, oh my gosh, like they did that, you know, like, and, you know, even in churches, like if somebody's found out that they had sex, like they're immediately removed from any volunteer team that they've been on. And the message is like just shame, you know, and we, we raise up the sexual, um, the, the sexual brokenness to this pedestal of like, if you sin sexually at all, that is like a bigger sin than any other sin. Meanwhile, you know, volunteers in churches are probably gossiping and probably doing other kinds of sin, but somehow with sexual sin and, and temptation, we like, we put that on a pedestal. And if somebody engages in it, you get so much reprimand for it. And it basically just puts on so much layers of shame. And so my heart, I mean, I won't go into this full details, this, the full details of this story. It's very tough, but, um, this led me to then being sexually abused in my life. And basically in those sexual abuse experiences, I completely blamed myself because I thought, it's my fault. Like I should have known better. I should have done better. I shouldn't, as a woman, I had these narratives that said, I am here to protect a man's integrity. And I'm here to not make my brother stumble with what I wear and how I am. So because of that, like if I, if a brother did stumble and, you know, did whatever to me, that's my fault. And so I had sexual abuse experience, rape experiences that I blamed myself for, for years and years and didn't tell anybody about. And so the shame from sexual, um, from 
from sexual shame can really just eat away at us so much. And it separates us from God and ultimately the beauty that God created through our sexualities. I mean, it's honestly a beautiful thing that he created. Like he wanted us to experience pleasure and he wouldn't have created it if he didn't want that. However, we just have to have a, an understanding of what this is, why our bodies react this way. Um, and why, if we are going on a journey of waiting until marriage uh, and we want that sexual integrity, we just have to understand why. And when, if we do make mistakes, we need really soft, shame-free places to land, to talk about that, to navigate those journeys alongside. And I just feel in the church right now, not over across the board, but I do think there's a lot of messaging that really kind of unfortunately encourages people away from being honest and more to just, hey, form conform to this specific list of rules and then you're going to be good. You know, like it's purity is a prize basically. Yeah. Oh, Okay, I have many thoughts on <laughs> this topic, Kate. Everything that you said, I could not agree with more. And I feel like as like the resident uh, married woman in this chat, I, I feel like I went through a very similar thing of like growing up in the church, there, there is that pressure of purity, which is biblical, but I think they focus so much on the legalistic aspects of it where it's like, oh, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, that they like people don't understand why that's even like why God says to not do it before marriage. And it's like when you don't actually communicate and help, especially young people understand the why behind God's heart of why it's wholesome for our bodies and why like he created our bodies to only be with one person. Like if you don't understand the why, then it's so legalistic. And I think in general, the church typically there's, Obviously, churches out there that probably do it great, but I think just across the board, I think a lot of churches really focus on the legalistic, like, don't do this, be 12 feet apart, or whatever you like you said, and they forget the why. And so all of a sudden, your entire life, you're screamed at that's like, don't have sex, don't have sex, don't kiss, don't kiss, don't, don't kiss, don't touch, don't do any of this. And then all of a sudden, when you get married, they're like, go, go, go. Oh, it's beautiful. Have sex, have lots of sex. And it's like, what? You just told me my entire life that this was the worst thing ever. And now all of a sudden, it's the best thing ever. And it's like, it's so hard to make that flip. Whereas I think if you grow up understanding the why behind it, the fact that God created sex to be pleasurable, to be amazing, to be fun even. And if you understand that and understand the why of why he calls it for marriage and not outside of it, I think like just like educating young people on that more than just being like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, you know? Yes. Man, I mean, there the polls also like we had so many, um, you know, people who have never had sex reply in the polls like, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous. Like, and one person I think said, like, how am I going to go from the mindset of no to go? And I thought that was funny. <laughs> like, from no, 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 don't do it. Go, go ahead. Like, yeah. everything is good now. Like that, you know, it's very hard. And I, on the other side of marriage, I've heard so many stories, even friends of mine, where that is a very painful and hard and can also be shame inducing experience. Like I'm supposed to like perform and have this awesome time. And like, i don't even feel comfortable, you know, because of all the years I was said that this was a bad thing mm -hmm. um, or to just basically shut it down. I, my perspective is there's a way to embrace your sexuality in a way that is honoring to God and not like shut down every sexual drive that you have. You know, yeah. like I believe that there's ways to connect to your body and beautiful ways that you can connect um, without it, it turning into like, I have to make out with a guy that goes to this, that, and the other, and it has to be, you know, like there are ways to connect to your body and have it be a beautiful thing that you understand your sexuality. I think that those teachings are so massively missed in the church that even in the only the last few years have I come to be like aware of some of these things. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> like maybe if I had a better idea of embracing my sexuality as an individual, as a single and embracing my sexual desire, I wouldn't be so, um, I wouldn't go down the path every time with a guy that I'm like dating that like 
I cross physical boundaries because I'm just so used to doing that because, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm so, I'm shut it off so much in singleness. And then when I'm dating, I'm like, ooh, but you know, if I could learn to embrace that as more as a single and I understand it in a deeper way, I, I have more of the integrity. It just is so different in the actual moment. It cha- transforms how you show up. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think my brother and I have actually had a lot of these conversations because we're both in like, you know, longer term serious dating relationships. And we've talked about a lot of this together, which is, I know probably weird for some people that my brother and I have conversations about sex, (laughs) but (laughs) we're like best friends, (laughs) basically twins, like grew up. And we've just had conversations about, you know, the conversations of you know, what our parents have taught us because our parents are, are wonderful and we we love them so much. Literally, I wouldn't be who I am or where I am today without my parents. Mm-hmm. They're my heroes. But, you know, we've even had conversations where we joke about how our mom will like call us or something and be like, how are you guys doing with purity? Like all of this stuff. And we're like, mom, we're we're adults now. Like you, <laughs> you taught us so well. Thank you for tell, like teaching us. But, you know, that, that, so we've had these conversations and something that he and I have talked about several times is like, we wish the church had the conversations. Like it wasn't, the only thing we hear the church pretty much saying these days is like, sex before marriage is bad. Sex after marriage is good. Like that's literally all you ever hear. And we were like, I wish the church was talking about sex. Like, why, why are we not discussing sex? Like it's, (laughs) and it's like, yes. I mean, God, have you read Song of Solomon? I mean, God is like, (laughs) God God is is all about sex. I know. I just wish like we had the conversations of, you know, even understanding like this sexual relationship and the connection and the beauty and the power and like all of that comes with it within marriage and like what God intended. Like I wish pastors would talk about that. Like I wish Christians would talk about it, which I feel like there is a revolution kind of coming to the church and sex. So it's coming, like even this conversation, like it's happening, (laughs) but I'm excited for it to like continue to progress. But uh, yeah, the one thing my brother and I have just kind of both come down to is like it, for us, the, the rules, like, yes, can sometimes help, you know, in setting those boundaries or whatever, that's fine. But, you know, he and I have both said, like, it comes down to understanding why. Like, understanding why am I pursuing purity in this area? And why has God asked this of us? Because he doesn't withhold things for, you know, our pain. Like, Mm -hmm. it's always for our benefit that he requests something of us. So it's like, he and I, like, we've both had the conversation of, like, you have to, if you are pursuing purity before marriage or like in, in a dating relationship or whatever, like it comes down to understanding your why and your heart behind it because all the rules in the world won't keep you out of bed if you don't understand what you're fighting for or what you're working towards. Like that's the one thing that I've really learned in like my relationships is just I have to understand my why and my heart has to be like in the right place with God and with my boyfriend for us to be able to work towards it. Like the rules do nothing. It's like, it doesn't help. If you don't understand the rule, it's why little kids, like, you know, you have to tell them the rules over and over and over again, because they just don't understand why, why this rule, they just don't understand it. But as adults, we need to know more as the brains are forming. If we want the rule, quote unquote rules to really stick, we need to understand the why, why is this even a rule? And I would take it so far as like, don't just accept a rule because the church tells you to say it. You need to figure out what that Mm is. Bring your relationship with God is personal and intimate. That's why on my podcast, podcast and in my teachings, I never tell people like what to and not to do when it comes to physical boundaries. Like Mm -hmm. people are like, do you make out with guys? And I'm like, yes, I have. And I do make out with guys. And that's all I'm going to tell you because I'm not going to tell you that you should or should not. I'm not going to tell you if you can be home alone at night. Like you need to figure that out with the Lord. What is your sexual ethic? How do you want to walk in sexual integrity? Once you figured out your sexual ethic, bringing it to God, bringing it to mentors, people you trust. And then like in a relationship, my key, you have to just be on the same page, both Mm -hmm. y'all, like not page two and page three. Like if he's on three, you're on two. 
I, I'm you're sorry. You're going to end you up on three. You're going <laughs> to go to three and it's going to happen. Like, I don't mm-hmm. care what kind of self-control you have. It's most likely going to happen. I see it yeah. 99% of time. So you have to be on the same exact page. Um, and if that's a problem, you need to fit like that's, those are conversations that need to be had, mm-hmm. but we need to un, like unroot and unravel that our sexual desire is inherently bad or that it should just be stuffed down. And that's a whole separate conversation of like, okay, so when I am aroused, what do I do, Kate? And I'm like, okay, well, we, we'll take a whole nother podcast for all of that information. Great. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, kind of wrapping up final question that I have for you, Kate, where and this this is just like in your story in general, where did you find God in the midst of your deepest rejections? And then I guess kind of a part two of that question is what encouragement do you have for somebody who's questioning why God might let them experience a pain of rejection, especially if they're in the middle of it and they're not really understanding the why behind it in that season? Yeah. Um when I went through abuse and even through heartbreaks, um, I think we have to, we're so afraid sometimes of our emotions and being honest with God that like we're kind of mad at God sometimes. Um, and so I'll take you to my last breakup. The last breakup was last in the fall of 2020 and didn't see it coming. Honestly was like, I'm going to marry this guy. This is my redemption story. I wrote a book on rejection. I'm with this guy. This is amazing. Like, yes, redemption all over the place. And God's like, ha, not too far. Not quite yet, girl. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> um, so three days before we, our relationship ended three days before we were supposed to go on a trip to meet our families, which was devastating. Um, and then the day after the breakup, I get a message from my publisher Literally, I'm in bed that morning, like not wanting to wake up, like just so in shock by what had happened. I did not see it coming. And my publisher writes to me, hey, um, you have to review your book next week one more time. And I'm like, this is a joke. (laughs) This has got to be a joke. Like, I do not want to read my book on rejection right now. I just got rejected. Can you please wait? Like, this is way too painful. Um, And, but So what I did um, is I went away. I used the time I had off that I was supposed to go on those trips. I ended up going to Mexico um, by myself and honestly was amazing. But in that time, um, I really allowed myself to get so real with God. There was one day specifically that I remember. um, It was basically hurricaning outside. I was there during hurricane season and it was hurricaning. And I felt like the storm outside was a picture of what I felt on the inside and the chaos of my heart. And just everything I felt was being whipped around and torn into shreds. And all the things I had pictured with this guy and the future we had talked about were just you know, all crumbling and being thrown apart and torn apart. And so I found myself on my hands and knees in my room in this um, hotel, literally just like looking outside at all the trees and the palm trees, like sideways and just bawling my eyes out, screaming and yelling and saying some choice words because yes, I talked to God very openly and I know he can handle it. And I was, you know, he's like, okay, Kate, bring it, you know, but it just letting him into the depths of my guttural pain and saying, I hate that you let this happen again right now. I really do. I know tomorrow, maybe I'll feel a bit better, but right now I hate it. I hate it. Like why the bargaining? And that's the thing for me, what I've learned through the rejections, you have to feel the pain to heal from the pain. And that sucks. My Mm -hmm. gosh. Like I wish there was a way to just be like, let me sugarcoat that phase and just go straight into feeling good in my life again without that person. But there's a gaping wound, a hole, and you need to consistently day by day, invite God into that hole so he can rebuild and mend your heart. And it doesn't have to be a heartbreak. That can be from a friendship. Like I I don't know about anyone else, but even this 2020 has changed friendships in my life. And I've had to grieve like, wow, I'm really sad that this friendship changed because of different things that have gone on this year. Mm -hmm. And that really sucks. And I have to bring that to God. I feel really sad. My grief is real. And I, what I've realized so deeply is that our pain is not lost on God. And so I think that's so much so why the Psalms are two thirds lament, because I think God so wanted us to know, like, you can cry and scream and be exactly as you are and bring all the pain to me. None of it is lost on me. Um, 
But while you do, just know that there is still a hope for your future, that hope is not the absence of pain. Um, we, we can still have hope even in the midst of the chaos because we know that God's character will lead us to something incredible through time, that he will redeem this. I said that earlier. But that was basically, that's what it's looked like for me through managing rejection, still dealing with rejections. And the biggest lesson I've, I've learned is that rejection will still come. It was proven last year. I wrote this book and then I was rejected. <laughs> um, but but God is with us. He's not afraid of our pain. We don't have to be afraid of our pain because it day by day, it does get better. We must feel it to heal it. And um, I really believe that through doing that, we are going to learn how to be better, love better, serve better, and just understand more about ourselves, more about God and more about the world. And he wants to use that to create lasting change in the world. I, I believe that whether it's on a big scale, awesome, if that's how he blesses you or a small scale, you being the friend that somebody really needed in their darkest hour. And that's such a miracle and a gift to that person that he will, he will use you in that way um, as you work through your own pain. So, mm. ah, that's where we're at. <laughs> Kate, you are incredible. Literally, amen to every single thing that you just said and everything that you've said on this entire conversation. I mean, oh. ugh, breath of fresh air to be able to have these conversations and for us to all sit down and discuss, you know, relationships and rejection and shame and, you mm. know, everything around just walking with God and and walking in any sort of relationship, whether it's, you know, romantic or friendship or whatever. So thank you for bringing just such expertise and experience and wisdom and vulnerability to today's conversation. Yeah. Thank you, ladies. I've loved talking with you. Thanks oh for gosh. letting me talk like for an hour because I know I went. Oh <laughs> my gosh. We love every second of it. <laughs> oh girl, we could literally listen to you for hours. Like you just gave yes. us, us and our listeners so much knowledge, so much encouragement and just so much vulnerability. So thank you so much for coming on the show and being vulnerable and just having just a fun girl chat about life and love and rejection with us today. Thank yes. You guys. Okay, Kate, for anyone who uh, is obsessed with you now as we are. Where can people <laughs> find you? Where can they, you know, read your book when it comes out? Like all the good stuff. Yeah. I love Instagram. So come over at Kateness, K-A-I-T-N-E-S-S or Heart of Dating, which is for guys and girls. And I mean, Kateness is too, but we talk about all the dating advice on Heart of Dating. My podcast is Heart of Dating, heartofdating.com for the book. Thank you for rejecting me.com or really just anywhere books are sold. It's on pre-order till February 16th and then it's out in the world. Yay. Yay. Oh, it's going to be so good. Thank you so much, Kate. I'm excited to read your book and to have people hear this podcast. Thanks, ladies. You're amazing. Bye, Kate. <laughs>